Are you wondering how the subscription box industry did in 2021? or maybe even what to expect for 2022. On this episode, I'm joined by Paul Chambers, president and co-founder of SEPTA, to break down industry stats, best practices, and what to look forward to in the next year. Come listen. Welcome to the Launch Your Box podcast with weekly tips, tricks, and strategies to start, launch, and grow your subscription box. Now, here's your host, Sarah Williams. Welcome back to the Launcher Box podcast. I'm excited today because I have Paul Chambers here, the founder, co-founder, and CEO of, am I, wait a minute, am I saying that right, Paul? Yeah, you nailed it, co-founder and CEO. <laughs> I'm going to start over. You, want. you can even keep this going. We can just- uh, okay, Let's just keep going then. We can make um, up some fun titles too along the way. Like I'm sometimes <laughs> the chief janitor, sometimes I'm the, like yesterday I was the network guy. I was trying to fix something in our networking room and I bumped a cable, successfully killed the wireless internet in the entire office and started freaking everybody out and canceled like an hour's worth of work for everybody. So lots of roles. I think that everyone listening can totally relate because we're the shipper, we're the designer, we're the maker, we're like, we're all the things in our yeah. businesses, especially when we first start out. So some days we don't even know what our role is going to be until we no. get there and we start going with it. But we're here. I'm excited. I'm always excited to talk to you, Paul, but I'm excited to kind of talk through the year about subscription box industry as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk a little bit about, I know you had a subscription box called the gentleman box and yeah. it's, it's an amazing box and you sold that off. I would love for you to just give us a little bit of the backstory of maybe how that got started and your growth. And then what happened when you sold it? Yeah, sure. So um, oddly enough, I figured this out the other day. I've got 20 plus years in subscription in some way. When I first started my business, I was 16 years old in high school. I was trying to build an internet service provider company, failed miserably at that, started building websites and started doing website hosting for people. Totally different than subscription boxes. But what I loved about website hosting is it was something that people really needed. It was hard for them to leave. So a little, you know, really, really sticky in that way. Um, but also it was, it was a great like little service business. And, you know, so anyway, fast forward to where the gentleman's box came from. I was running that same web development company that I started when I was 16 and my good friend, Chris George came to me with his, uh, cousin-in-law, John Haji. And they said, we have this idea. Uh, John said, you know, I work in automotive. I can never get out and go shopping. And I see an opportunity to ship, um, accessories to men to, to make them dress up and feel good about themselves. The guys, guys that just don't have time to go shopping. And, uh, I said, I love that idea. It's, you know, we talked about a lot more. We expanded on a little bit. So I love the idea. Here's what I'll do. I've got this website development company. I'll help you build the website in exchange for a small, an equity stake in the company, small amount of negotiating back and forth. We figured out something that worked for everybody. And the rest was history from there. I became a partner in the company. And even though I had a smaller equity stake, I put everything into it, just like I was an equal partner with those guys and fell in love with the business and continued to grow it for about six years until we exited it in uh, 2020. That's it's crazy. I, I love the concept of it because it's like, it's a mixture of like socks and ties and pens and the things that are accessories to your suits, right? Like that's really what it's for, for that really sharp dressed man that is probably in business, probably going through a lot of meetings and and maybe traveling a lot and just doesn't have time for themselves. Right. 
Yeah. And we certainly learned a lot of lessons along the way. We started, um, we started with the monthly subscription box and we eventually added on a premium quarterly box. And, you know, as, as you know, and your audience knows, anytime you're, you're building a business, you have a lot of different, like, should it be this? Should it be that? What about our price point? What about including things inside? And I remember a really, really critical point. When we first launched, the idea was we partnered with GQ magazine and we put a GQ magazine inside. And it was great because the idea was you could, you'd get the box, you'd open up the magazine, you'd read about the accessories, all the stuff inside. And then uh, you, you'd use the stuff inside to style yourselves. So it was like a perfect fit. But we realized the magazine was really heavy. It was adding a lot of weight to it. And so it was causing our, our shipping price to go up. So then we, we couldn't put as much in the box. We couldn't make the box as cool because we were spending so much more on shipping. We would pay for the cost of the GQ. Mm-hmm. So we made the decision to take the GQ out of the box, which at the time amongst our team was really unpopular. They're like, you know, my designer and our, our website developer, everybody at my agency that helped build it. They're like, this is terrible. This is a terrible idea. You guys are just making a big mistake and it, it ruins the essence of the box. We're like, guys, like you, you need to understand the economics of this and, and why we're doing this. And here's what we're going to do instead. It ended up being one of the best things that we did for the subscription box at the time. We still shipped the magazine to everybody. It came separate but we found different ways to enhance that experience. And so it's just this, this, it's, it's this ongoing adventure all the time. And you're always working hard to just make it better and solving problems too. It's that fluid ongoing thing. It's never a one and done. It's always the next box, the next box, the next thing, the next idea, the next curation, right? It's never, it's never done. And I think that's what makes it really fun and exciting too. Yeah, absolutely. And it, you know, it's, it has its moments where you're like, why am I, (laughs) doing this every day, you know, but it, there's way more of those uh, moments where it's like, this is so cool. Be, you know, we get these emails and people saying, you know, that you changed my life. I, I ordered the gentleman's box because I wanted to dress for the job that I wanted. And I started dressing the part. I went out, I interviewed with confidence and I got that job and it dramatically changed my life. Those are the days where like, this is why I do this. And I'm never stopping, you know? Yeah, exactly. So tell me where SUPTA comes in. So SUPTA is the Subscription Trade Association. And so how many years ago did you, so you were in the midst of Gentleman's Box when you created SUPTA, right? So tell yeah, us, so- tell anybody that's listening that doesn't know what SUPTA is, what it is, and then let's go on that journey of creating SUPTA. Yeah. So we uh, launched it on a Gentleman's Box in 2014, November of 2014, just in time for the holiday season. Remember that pressure building up to it. And um, about 2016, yeah, summer of 2016, we were looking, trying to find like a conference to attend to meet other subscription box owners. Because at the time, there really wasn't a big community. Crate Joy is just getting started. Liz Cadman was just launching MSA. And there weren't a lot of like outlets for conversation and community out there. Not as many great spaces as like what you have right now. We wish you were around back then, Sarah, but um, you're here now. And so uh, we're like... We need to we need to find a way to meet other people. We should find a subscription box conference. And Google, Google, Google didn't exist. We're like, all right, we're crazy entrepreneurs. Let's start a subscription box conference. And we did just that. We gave ourselves uh, we we knew we wanted to hold it in Detroit because it's close to home, which is where we are. And then we knew we wanted to do it sooner than later. And it was about June when we started like fleshing out this idea. We're like, okay, we got to do it in September. Fall in Detroit is still nice enough. People will come down. They'll they'll get around. And we set our, our dates of September 29th, I think it was, somewhere around there, 
26, 27, somewhere in that range is around my birthday, which is the 28th of September. If you're keeping track of it. Um, <laughs> Writing and, it down. Uh, yep. Perfect. Put it in your calendar. Um, and so we, uh, we decided to push forward and we were so fortunate to get Katya Beecham, uh, CEO at the time of Birchbox to come in and, and speak. Michael Brookham, co-CEO of FabFitFun, uh, Liz Kamen from MSA at the time uh, came out and pulled together an amazing lineup of people and brought 200 awesome people into the room and held our first event. And it was from there forward that we realized, I remember Michael Brookham from FabFitFun sitting with us at night and going, you guys, you're building something bigger here than gentlemen's box. Like this is these people in this room helping each other right now, this community, like keep this going. This is really cool. And, you know, we're so, so fortunate to be kind of in the right place at the right time and just bring these awesome people together. And so we've continued that. Uh, we launched in 2017 to go along with the conference. We launched the subscription trade association. So we had this amazing group of people. We'd meet once a year for this conference and then it would be done. And we was like, we said, how do we continue that? How do we represent this space for everybody? And, and so that's when we built out the Subscription Trade Association. And that brings us to today as we continue to, to keep these awesome, amazing people together and help as many ways as we can. I think back to 2016, like for me as a business owner, it was kind of that you saw these subscription businesses starting to emerge and they weren't necessarily all these big brands like, you know, like the FabFitFunds and the, and the Ipsys and stuff, but you saw these smaller subscriptions start to emerge in that time frame, And that's really when I started to get the itch for doing a subscription. I was seeing these smaller businesses do them and I was seeing them being successful at it. Um, and so I launched mine in 2017. So it was right kind of in that, in that height of where the industry started to really blossom and really open up a lot of doors for other businesses. And that kind of brings us to our conversation today. I really wanted to talk about what we saw for 2021. It really, it's really been like the past couple of years, but what we saw as for an industry as a whole in subscription, and then what, it, what do we see for 2022? Like, where are we going? So do you want to kind of talk through what you guys saw in 2021 for the subscription box industry? Yeah. You know, first of all, it's amazing to me that 2021 is over already. Over. Doesn't it feel like we just finished 2020 and now like also it, it feels more. very much the same, unfortunately. <laughs> it feels like it, it feels like we just went through lightning speed of a year. And I, yes. I can't even tell you what happened this year. It was so amazing. Yeah. Like I don't know what happened. I blacked out. Yes. <laughs> so there's a lot of lot of crazy things happening in 21. We saw in particular as Subta. First of all, like for the first time in, in history, we saw a record amount of like roll up and consolidation happening. Um, Battle Box and Carnivore Club were acquired. Uh, Daily High Club was acquired. Kitnet Box uh, just had a dinner with Jordan Salvit from Kitnet Box this week, and we were talking about it. You know, great exit they acquired into a larger company, and we see this trend happening in the D 2 C space with um, these medium size. Uh, subscription and D2C brands that are becoming part of larger rollups out there happening in the D2C space. Um, companies like Thrashio, uh, Open Store, um, Micro Acquire that are coming in and saying, you know, great ways to bring a couple brands together with economies of scale efficiencies out there. So if anybody in your audience is that, you know, that growing and scaling and, and maybe they're ready to exit, there's some great opportunities out there for them to find a happy home for this great business that they've grown. 
uh, we're continuing to see that going into 2022 uh, as well. So looking at that and revenue numbers vary, right? Some that are doing six, you know, several hundred thousand, all the way up to some that are doing a million. You don't need to have a massive business to exit it. Um, You can, or even merging together to to businesses that complement each other. Uh, And so never before, like previously the subscription box space was a little bit, ah, you know, it's, it's not as um, investable. Mm-hmm. There isn't as much acquisition happening. Total, throw that all out the window in 21 and going into 22, we saw a complete shift in that. That's really amazing because I think sometimes when we build something and then we see it starting to scale and maybe we're not capable or we don't have the capacity to bring it to further scale. And we wonder, am I stuck here? Or what do I do? And so that's really um, awesome to hear you say that more kind of medium-sized businesses are being acquired by the bigger brands. I love that. I love that. Um, Let's talk about the growth in the industry as a whole. So I have your annual report in front of me, which is really comprehensive and amazing, by the way. But I see on here that you say 27% of consumers used auto replenishment in the second quarter of 2021. So I know in 2020, we're all trapped in our houses. We are consuming more things online than ever before. We saw it in digital education. We saw it in um, consumables. I mean, Amazon was was our go-to, right? And so we saw this really rise of e-commerce in 2020 because we didn't have a lot of other options. Right. And so we saw that pick up. We also continued to see that in 2021, even as stores were opening back up, people were getting back out and getting back to normal somewhat. Can you talk through some of the things that you saw in the industry that way? What, yeah. So what happened, you're exactly right. What happened in 2020 was people were, they didn't have many other options, right? Yeah. You saw, you couldn't get toilet paper anywhere. So all of a sudden you're trying to buy it from Amazon, all these different places like, oh my gosh, there's toilet paper subscription companies who gives a crap and bippy. Right. Uh, The first one being a very funny name Uh, and same thing with food, right? We can't get food at the grocery stores, but let's sign up for HelloFresh and let's sign up for Blue Apron or, you know, any of these other great snack companies out there. Let's explore these spaces a little bit. And so what happened where was it was created habits. Mm -hmm. It exposed people to new areas and new opportunity that they they didn't realize maybe existed before. And so um, or, you know, we saw a lot of pets that became part of families in 2020. Yeah. And just like, I think one of your, your members, your community, uh, G pig box there, right. Yeah. They have yeah. all these Guinea pigs that are coming out there and now they need fun toys for them and, and different things like that. What a great opportunity to build a business around that. And so going to 21, those habits were formed. Now we did see some attrition, right? People, mm-hmm. you know, as they were able to get back out, maybe they peeled back, but a lot of it was like people were pausing and maybe taking a break for a minute. And our approach on that as sub is like, that's okay. Yeah. It's okay if somebody's going to pause or they're going to leave. If you've built a strong enough relationship with that consumer, they're going to come back. They're going to come they're back. They're going to come back and be part of your of your community and what you have. And just because they cancel doesn't mean they hate you, right? Right. right. They're a bad person. And because I remember feeling that way with Gentleman's yeah. Box, we'd, we'd see early on, we'd see the cancellations and like, man, you know, what do we do wrong? Yeah. It's just because they had too many pairs of socks for a minute. But you know what? The socks eventually wore holes in them and they came back. Yeah. <laughs> so- well- I think that we also saw this new convenience factor in our lives. So it was more out of need in the beginning. We started buying online. We started getting these subscription boxes. And then we also realized 
the convenience that we were creating for people who didn't have to go shop for, you know, things that they normally would have to spend hours a week to go do out of their everyday lives. They want to be home more and they were home more. Now they're having to go back to work or they're back in their daily lives and they liked being home. And so they don't want to spend so much time out and about doing all the things. So we created this huge sense of convenience. Hey, every month, this box is going to show up. It's going to land on your doorstep. You don't have to go to the mall. You don't have to go to the grocery store. You don't have to go to the pet store. We're just going to keep bringing it to you. And we were bringing like fun, different things that maybe they wouldn't have bought for themselves. So they were experiencing new things. They were trying new things um, and they really enjoyed it. So it, it, you're right. It became a habit for them. Well, I don't want to give this up. This is convenient for me. This is a luxury item for me. This, whatever it was for them, they continued to keep it going into 2021. Yeah. And it's, and it's fun too, because there are a couple segments that we saw that really grew in 2020 and continue to grow in 21. And we're, we're really seeing that too, still going into 22 food and beverage still um, is a a fast growing segment. We're continuing to see because it's, it's not just, you know, a a meal kit or, Mm -hmm. You know, snacks and box. There's some fun, unique angles that people take on that too. Uh, you know, snacks from different countries, or you know, snacks of different diets, mm-hmm. um, and even even exploring that space of of food boxes. You know, there's wine clubs and beer clubs and all sorts of stuff there. And even um, Jeremy King from a test uh, at our last sub summit gave a talk about the emerging opportunity in the marijuana shipment space. Right, really interesting, you know, to look at. And so there's lots of lots of stuff emerging there. Um, and the other one that I find fascinating too, that really grew well in 21 and, and we're seeing continuing trend is beauty and personal care. Mm-hmm. And what I find interesting about that is that's one that you look at and be like, oh, that's been done, right? You know, Birchbox right. has been around forever. Ipsy's just dominating. But I remember at our very first sub summit in 2016, Yosef Martin uh, sat on our stage and he had just really was in the early stages of boxy charm. And he's talking about, you know, going up against Ipsy and what they were doing with it. And just this past year, they were acquired by Ipsy. Yeah. They bought the biggest competitor out there. And it's like, That's wow. crazy. You know, he built and scaled this business in a short amount of time to be acquired by one of the biggest in the space because he did such a good job of recognizing an opportunity there. And even so, we're still seeing more opportunity in that space. So I love, I love stuff like that because even myself, like oftentimes I'm discouraged. I'm like, oh man, somebody's already done that, you know, yes. but no, the answer is like, it can be done even better or there's yes. other different ways to look at it or a different way. Yeah. And I think that's something that we experience in our community a lot is like, oh, how many t-shirts can somebody have? How many dog boxes can there be? How many of something can there be? And the answer is it's different for different people. You're building an audience that's different than someone else's audience. And so to see those two go head to head, you know, BoxyCharm and Ipsy, they were for basically the same person, but they provided a completely different experience. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's awesome the way that they, you know, came together um, this year. And it just proves that everyone needs stuff. Yeah. Everyone, you, I, Ipsy, BoxyCharm, whoever they are, cannot fulfill to everyone that exists, right? Right. Somebody needs to fulfill to them. They don't have all the customers in the world. And what you provide could be, could be that much different to make somebody want to purchase from you than somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's fun because there's so many different things to look at. I remember from our very first sub summit, one of the ones that we were just fascinated by 
was a gentleman running a sponge of the month club, a kitchen sponge. sponge. Uh, you know, just sit, <laughs> sits at your sink and you, and you use it every day. And you every when it gets really, 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 really gross, that's when you go to replace it. And he's like, why should we have to wait until that point? And he started a subscription every month. You get a new kitchen sponge. I'm like, that's brilliant. And he's crushing it. And he had some other little, little subscriptions that he ran, one called Ear Fleek that sends some cheapy little earrings out and stuff like that. And they were, they were great. But one of the interesting things is a, a data point that's in our annual report is parents, 75% purchase household items through subscription. And so you take something like that, that you might look at and be like, oh man, you know, what are the, what are the things I use every day around my house? What are the things that people are using? One of my other favorite, uh, home subscription is deco created. They send, they send theme gifts. And then one of your members, or is she is on your site? One of the ones that I see around every so often, uh, year cheer, do you know your cheer? Mm-hmm. They, I, they were at sub summit and I was, I was talking to him about it, you know, like just fun, like cool stuff, you know, that you're, you're seeing in your house every once in a while you're putting yeah. out for holiday decorations and stuff like that. It's just, it's just cool. You know, there's so many fun opportunities. It, it's really amazing. I think that people just need to get out of their heads thinking that there's too many competitors out there and just really narrow on down what lights them up, what they're passionate about and what they can create um, in their boxes every single month. Now we've talked a little bit about what we saw in 2021, but I'm curious about your thoughts for what's going to happen in 2022. You know, people have asked in our community, like, are we expecting a slowdown as, you know, people are out doing their things, um, you know, is it expected to slow down? We saw, did we, did we hit the peak and are we coming back down or are we going to continue to see growth again this year? So I think, you know, I think we're going to continue to see growth because like we talked about earlier, we created these new habits. Uh, we showed people that things are, there's convenience, there's Mm -hmm. accessibility, uh, that's part of stuff. And so I definitely think we're going to continue to see growth in the space where there's, where there's opportunity. Um, this is also going to be an interesting year for new trends and new things happening from a technology standpoint. Uh, there's a lot of talk about Apple releasing some VR, AR glasses. There's a lot of talk about, you know, with Facebook, with the reband, rebranding and meta platforms and that stuff on the surface can seem really scary and intimidating. And when we talk about that from, you know, like I, I would look at that and say, gosh, you know, I don't know how I would, I don't have a bajillion dollars. I don't know how I would incorporate tech like that into my subscription box. But what's going to happen is you're going to see these companies like, remember back in the day, like all of a sudden CrateJoy came to be, right? Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden Shopify came to be with Recharge. And I mean, Shopify started because they're running a e-commerce store themselves and they saw a need to do, create a better experience. And so they built Shopify out of that. So what we're going to see is companies start to come up that give small business owners the opportunity to create virtual experiences with what they're doing. So I'm encouraging people just to keep an eye out for stuff like that. Find different ways as tech emerges, as new things are happening, how you can, how you can expand these experiences and do different stuff. Uh, again, it seems intimidating from the surface, but just, just think about it and look and listen that, you know, seeing what's ahead. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's smart to keep looking at technology to help 
help automate your business, help, help make things easier for you and help you grow from that standpoint. I know something that um, we really worked on this year in 2021 for my business was the expansion revenue piece. Mm -hmm. Um, So we built a really solid subscription box following um, subscriber base, but what were we leaving on the table? And for us, that was, that was more of what we already do. And it, and it's one of those things that you wonder if I give them more, do they still want the subscription box or what can I give them that complements the subscription box? And so we call that expansion revenue because we're expanding on the revenue that we're building with our subscription box. And I would love to just talk to you about that or talk to you about maybe someone's listening and they only have a subscription box Mm -hmm. they don't sell anything else. What ways can they build expansion revenue into their businesses? This is one of my favorite stories from the gentleman's box day of how we stumbled into the quarterly box. We were running our, our, our monthly subscription only at the time. And we said, you know, we should build like an ultra premium box, like a one-off purchase. We call it the limited edition box. And we're going to do it once a year. We're like, okay, let's let's see what we can put together. And and we the way we did this, we did a little little sneakily, but we we didn't have a ton of we were bootstrapped, right? We didn't raise any money for this. We 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 hustled it out, we figured it out. We said, how can we do this without buying a ton of really expensive inventory? Because we wanted to make it a uh, hundred dollar price point. And um, we you know, so our, our monthly subscription box was 25 at the time. So we want to make it a, a more premium luxury thing. Said, you know, I said, John, who is our partner, curated everything, why don't you curate the box? Let's send out an email and tell people limited edition. It's going to ship in 30 days, pre-order now, and let's see what we get. And what we did is we identified suppliers who said, you know, Hey, we're going to want to, cause we said, we'll sell 250 of these. We're going to want 250 of these. Can you, can, do you have them in stock? They're like, yeah, we have them. Okay, cool. We earmarked those. We want 250 of this. And we, we got a whole bunch of stuff lined up, sent out the email and it all sold out in 24 hours. Wow. And we're like, what just happened? So then we're like, we need to sell more because, because like it just sold out like crazy. And like, what if we just up this to 500? So we went out to all the suppliers, you have 500, you have 500, you have 500. And, and we, we knew we had to stop it there. We couldn't get too greedy and too crazy, but we wanted to see, you know, where we go. And 24 hours later, again, sold out of the next 250. And so we found a unique way to, to continue to serve our market with what, you know, that expansion revenue, this limited edition one time a year premium box. We built that out. We did it again a year later. And what we found as we continued to do this is there is appetite for more, mm-hmm. not, not just more stuff, but more great things, great ways to engage with our community, engage our members and give them more of what they were looking for and what they wanted in this premium product. And that's when we said we should do a quarterly premium subscription and, and built out a whole nother segment of the business from there. I love it. And I think that um, we, you know, I teach something similar to our community uh, to do a holiday box Um, Mm -hmm. and even to do a holiday box before you even get your subscription box started. Like this could be your test point. This could be your proof of concept that what you have is going to work and it's going to sell. And we saw thousands, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of holiday boxes being sold this year in our community. And not only does it put more revenue in our pocket as we have to build out our businesses for 2022, because we know right now we need to buy earlier because of our, our product our product pipeline right now. So it's been a struggle, you know, cash flow can be a struggle for these businesses, especially if they're growing to constantly buy and buy and buy, and then to say, okay, I need to buy three months now at a time. And so having that extra revenue in at different times a year is super important. It helps 
just fluff that cash flow as we build out these product-based businesses. Um, so I love, I love the idea of those one-off boxes and I love the way that you guys did that. I'm also loving, um, complimentary pieces to your boxes. So maybe you have a subscription box of three or four items, and then you have a fifth item that's in your store and they can add it to their box. We've seen several people do this with their subscription boxes, send out an email, click here, and we'll add this to your box. And they're getting additional sales um, periodically um, and just keep adding to that. So different ways that you can, you can definitely expand on your revenue outside of just your box. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, another thing, um, there's another trend that I'm going to, I'm going to come back to here in a second around personalization, mm-hmm. but, and I know you're, you're awesome at that. And so I want to come back to that, but one other thing too, I don't want to forget about is we're wildly successful with mystery boxes as an add-on. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure if you talked about this with your, your members. Before. Yeah, we've talked about this and I actually, um, the, there are, blog is going to come out before this episode airs. So they're going to have my blog about doing a mystery box. And I love doing those right after the holiday, kind of like a clearance sale, um, but a way for us to just turn that inventory again, putting those, that capital back in our pockets so that we can buy new and fresh inventory too. Tell me about your experience with those mystery boxes. We similar experience. We are at this point where there are a couple of months we, we over ordered on inventory and then it would start to, to stack up and, you know, it's that fine balance in this world. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to not be able to sell, but you don't want to have too much. And so what, you know, every month you're just a little more, a little more, a little more build up. And we were like, man, we need to find a way to to move this. And we said, what if we did a mystery box? And it wouldn't be the same. We'd mix and match different things. And the other thing we were conscious of is like, okay, this is a new subscriber. If they got a mystery box, it wouldn't be a repeat of something they bought before. And so we'd, we'd also try and track that. And we would see our conversion rate on mystery boxes was so great. It was phenomenal. And there were good margins still because we weren't doing deep discount and stuff. We were doing a fair price. There was some discounting to it, but it was, it was fun. People love mystery. People love excitement. I mean, like you see how good five surprise and all these different things are doing for kids. Adults are the same way. We're just growing yeah. up kids. You know, we love surprises and mystery. And so, yeah, we saw great success with mystery box. Encourage everybody to do it. I also love, you know, you talked about having this extra product every month and, you know, we do the same thing because again, our stuff is personalized. And so we overorder because we know we're going to have some personalization errors in the, in the process of, of monogramming everything. So we overorder just to give ourselves some breathing room, but then that stuff starts to stack up. One thing that we've done that we found super successful is to build those old boxes into a new subscriber funnel. So when they sign up to, to start their subscription box with us, their second email is going to get hit with some of our past boxes. Cause we know they don't have them. They're kind of, they're exclusive. So it's an opportunity that they can go ahead and, and grab a box and they don't have to wait for the next mail out to go. And then we know they don't have that. So it's new, fresh and fun for them. And we're able to really um, sell through any past boxes that we have as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's an awesome, that's an awesome way to do it. I mean, so it's about that additional revenue, great mm-hmm. ways, again, like you said, to put money back in your pockets uh, and and help grow your business and help continue to invest in it. Yeah, I want to come back to the personalization thing because you definitely do it in a unique way that, you know, when I talk about personalization, I think about like individual products, right? So mm-hmm. whether it be a t-shirt size or it be, you know, you, would you like this item or this item or that mm-hmm. item or that item? Uh, you do a very cool, unique approach of, of making it feel like a personal experience. And one thing that I love about that, and we're seeing this, this trend is you really create this amazing relationship with your customers. Yeah. You know, they, they feel 
They feel part of you, part of your community. They feel more, you know, part of the business. And personalization of any kind can really create that experience. And it's one of the things we're we're focused on our upcoming uh, sub summit next year in twenty two. Is is our theme is is shift and discover. Shift the way you look at your business. Shift the way you look at how you build out your subscription box and discover some so many different great opportunities to continue to grow. And that personalization is a big part of it. We're gonna we, you know we see that as a big trend up and coming. Uh, Fafit Fun, one of the biggest ones in the world. Yeah. They you know allow you to pick and personalize within there because it 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 creates that engagement and that community behind it all. And and it feels like that box is made just for you. Mm-hmm. Even though you've made thousands of them, it feels like that box is just for you. Whether you are able to pick the items that are going in your box, like FabFitFun, or whether I've personalized it, you know, with your monogram on it, and, and then it is for you. Nobody else can wear that sweatshirt. It has your initials on it. It feels something that's very personal. I picked those items out. I That's my initials. However, that you are able to customize or personalize your experience, it feels more like an experience and less like stuff when it comes in the mail. And so, I mean, I see that like with any industry, you know, I want, if you had a pet box, I want X amount of um, treats and, and one toy, or my dogs really like the toys. So let me do two toys and one treat, or, you know, being able to have those variables is really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. One of the cool thing, uh, Kong boxes was good at this where, you know, they'd, uh, ask your dog's name. Our dog at our house is Piper. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they say, Hey, some, here's some treats Piper would love even that little small thing inside there, you know, of, of like hey, Piper, you know, this is your box. It came for you was neat. One other thing they did cool that I want to uh, make note for your community is they studied really well where their customers would, would fall off. And they knew like where they'd see typical box burnout or the attrition or churn on there. And what they do just before you got to that point, they would include an extra item inside and say, hey, from here forward, in your as part of your Kong box subscription, we're going to give you an extra item inside the box. That's what because, we saw. And what they saw would happen is people would stay on longer because they saw increased value or they felt more value on it. Mm-hmm. Two different ways to look at that. One, you could start off with a little bit higher margin in your box in the beginning. And then when you get to that point, you're reducing your margin down to what your target or ideal margin might be. Or you just know that investing a little bit more in the box for that customer keeps them on longer and you don't have to pay to acquire a new customer in their yeah. place. Yeah. You know, so it's a, it's a really neat thing to, to look at and, and find ways to enhance your subscription box. Yeah. Um, I want to talk through some of your best practices that you guys have put together in your annual report because so many of them are just really great. And I would love to talk through them um, with you because I think they're important for us to keep up leveling, to keep working on new marketing. A lot of these are marketing tips. Um, and so we can't get stale with that. We got to keep adjusting and adapting to the marketing efforts. And the first thing you have on here is add an opt-in text message as part of your customer journey. Let's talk about that. Yeah, there's a couple different ways to do that. One, uh, you can do it on the front side, right? Get, we see some marketing campaigns where uh, you can sign up for discount. You know, now it's no longer just like enter your email, send your email, then your text message, and then or your cell phone number, and then you'll get this this discount. I go back and forth on that one uh, personally. Like, I'm always a little hesitant to put in my cell phone number to get offers. But boy, it works. I mean, a lot of times when I really want that discount and then the brands communicate with me and it becomes part of that. Um, SMS, people respond so much faster. They read text messages so much faster than emails. There's far less clutter. 
I love text messaging when done right. Yeah. The other half of that though is shipping updates. And we see a lot of people signing up for shipping updates via text message. It saves your customer service time, a lot of questions. If you can put that plugin in there that, you know, hey, text to get updates on your shipping status, they get that immediate notification. They know when it's coming. So we see great ways to do that. I just like to be a little bit more careful when messaging people via text. It's a little bit more sensitive still than email, but a great opportunity to reach them in so many different ways. We're seeing just a huge interaction via text. So we use a two-way text um, app for our business. And so it builds this kind of um, no like and trust factor in a way that there's, it's not one-sided. It's not just a general broadcast. It's, hey, have you got your box? Send me a selfie with you in your box and they can just immediately text me back and they know that they're texting me. Yes. And so they're sending it back and then we're able to share that on social media. We've got tons of social proof. It's in our stories, um, but it's a, it's a great way to create this two-way communication. And then you can also use it for customer service. Like how easy is it to just text when you've got an issue or you need to check on something versus finding an email, you know, sending an email. Yes, it's, it's a simple way but some people just prefer text. So we're in the age of let's meet people with where, where they're at. Right. Yeah. So yeah. no, you're not going to get out and type a letter and mail it to me anymore. You're yeah. going to text me and it's going to be super easy. And honestly, I prefer a text over a phone call any day. It's so yeah, easy. Absolutely. To it's so that much faster. And that's what everybody does. And everybody's at work. They're, they're juggling the kids. They don't have time to jump on the phone and then yeah. time to find an email address. And, and that's what I'm talking about when doing it right. You yeah. know, when being conscious of, the communication you have with somebody and being yeah. thoughtful and meaningful with it because then and it's not, not to overdo it. Right. Yeah. The minute you start to overdo it, it becomes spammy right. and we never want to be seen as a spammy marketer. We want to be seen as genuine, authentic, personal. Um, and I think if you can include that in your text messaging, it's just a, you're just meeting people with where they're at. They're on their phones. They are on yeah. their phones. You're meeting yeah. them where they're at and they're going to respond to that. You can see an amazing uptick. Even if you say like, okay, you know, I, I run a closed subscription model. So you can say, we're opening our, our wait list tomorrow. Text me the word wait list and you'll be the first to know. You get the text, you're able to send it out and you see immediate signups from yeah. that one text. You don't have to wait for people to get on their computer or check their email or whatever, because most people avoid that all day long. They check it at certain times because it's a, it's a whole thing. It's a yeah. whole process to just clear out your inbox, right? Yes. Oh my and gosh, so, but when you get a text, you might be standing at the line in the grocery store and you get the text, you're like, oh, I'm grabbing me a box, right? Right, right now. And right. so just meeting them where they're at. I, I love that. Um, your second um, best practice here on your list is to take advantage of TikTok's popularity to market your subscription. We've just seen e-commerce businesses explode on TikTok this year. Um, oh that short video, we see it with Instagram reels. We're seeing it now with Facebook reels. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, look at these platforms favor those uh, approaches right now. They, they favor it when you're Instagram reels. And, and like you said, the Facebook reels, because that's what they want to promote. And that's where they want their audience to be because they don't want to lose, you know, especially Facebook via Instagram and Facebook itself. Um, they don't want to lose the audience to TikTok like, like it has been. Yeah. On the flip side, you have this whole new platform now of reaching out to people. And even from an advertising standpoint, uh, I've seen a lot of really creative ads on TikTok that to me felt like I was just on another scrolling through another TikTok. I was like, oh, wow, this is actually an ad. Yeah. Uh, but it felt like it was, it was fun. It was engaging. And, 
you know, there's so many different creative ways to use these platforms to, to reach your audience. It doesn't need to be salesy. It can be fun. Show your personality. And you don't have to dance. Like you don't have to dance to do a TikTok. They can be informative. They can be informational. You could be teaching something. You could be doing a quick unboxing. People's attention spans are quick. And we need to, again, we need to meet people where they're at. So if that's their attention span, if they saw a 30 second box opening for me versus a 30 minute live that I did on my Facebook page, they're, they're consuming that. They may never consume a 30 minute live, never. But there are people that will consume a 30 second TikTok or a 30 second reel with the same information that I'm doing in a 30 minute live. So it's how can we take the content that we're already doing in our normal everyday marketing and put it in short video form? And I think that's going to be really important as we go into 2022 as well. Yeah. And people love behind the scenes. They love seeing the personality of something, you know, showing you packing your subscription boxes up for the month, showing you loading them into the, the, the yes. truck out there, uh, showing you all the different things, you know, introducing yourself and your brand, showing your family. I mean, I have this video of my daughters when they were super young, gosh, I don't know how they were like, probably like five or six and they were packing subscription boxes. And I, we put that on Facebook one day on the gentleman's box page and people loved it. I mean, this mm-hmm. was years ago. And yeah. so if something like that would, could do really well and have fun, you know, uh, build a, a, a tower of subscription boxes and uh, boxes and, and bust through it for, you know, show different stuff, you know? Yeah. So, and, and this, the thing that I like to, to look at like content, you never know what's going to work and it's okay to try things and it's okay to fail and just keep pushing through and keep trying stuff to what fits to you, to what fits your audience. I mean, Mr. Beast, who's the most, one of the most popular YouTubers out there has amassed millions of followers, millions. And he's, you know, very wealthy now from this for years, just kept trying different things across his YouTube channel. And, and finally one day it just clicked. He found what resonated with him, with his audience. And from there forward, it just continued to grow for him. So just, you know, it's, it's okay to try and experiment and try stuff. And, and it's okay if you get, you know, a hundred views on something, don't give up, don't throw it out, don't burn yeah. it down, try something else. And we were talking about this in the group the other day about, you know, I see when I go through my Instagram reels, I look at what's been most viewed and I can see that it's the behind the scenes. People are curious. People are want to know how it works, how it operates, how your business works. And so those those videos of us in the warehouse working of folding, you know, a couple thousand shirts, you know, they want to see that it's intriguing to them. It's different than what they know. And so if you look at your videos, do, do some videos, get, get about 15, 20, 30 videos up there and then see what's the most watched and then lean into that. Um, Just do what's working and quit doing all the stuff that's not working, but lean into what is working. And that takes data. So you have to get something out there. You have to analyze the data and then you have to keep, keep doing the same thing. Just do more of what works. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, sometimes you you get lucky and catch fire right at the right time. You catch the right trying to use the right hashtag. And then, but most times it's, I mean, the way the algorithm works is how long people linger on that video for. And so if you've got something and it intrigues people and they stop scrolling and they watch it Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, like people are staying on it longer and then it's being served up to more people. That's what there's, there's interest in all that. That's why I love the behind the scenes stuff. I'm fascinated by that. Me too. I want to know how other things work, right? (laughs) Wow. She has that many subscription boxes she's building and holy cow, that's so cool. You know, and I wouldn't imagine it's done this way. Like and there's a, there's a couple more on this list that I want to, I want to yeah. touch on, but, um, optimizing your content creation is on this list. Can you talk through what you mean by that? 
Yeah. So that one feels overwhelming for me sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, content is a big word. It's a small word with a lot of weight to it, maybe is a better yeah. way. Because yeah. there's so many different spaces. And a lot of that leans into what we we're just talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Optimizing it and, you know, okay, we find what works here and let's expand on that. Mm-hmm. Let's let's find ways to to okay, let's let's keep doing these things that are working here. And then sometimes too, from like um an SEO standpoint. You know, or the, is there something in there where, you know, we should be writing content that will serve a greater purpose for finding our audience out there, you know? And so optimizing that and being smart about what you're doing. Um, we talked about this the other day and we we're talking about some of our sub to videos, you know, we, we were putting some content out there as a trade association. It wasn't getting the right views and it was, you know, we're spending a lot of time on that. So we're refocusing some of our energy and saying, okay, are we doing the right things for our audience and, and meeting them out there? So that's, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways to look at that from an SEO standpoint, but uh, mainly leaning into doing what, what really works well for reaching your audience. And I think another way to really optimize that is optimizing the time that you're building the content. So if you have, and, and, and I always talk in product language, right? So if you have, you know, a new t-shirt or a new bag or something like that, instead of taking a couple pictures to throw into your website and, and let people purchase it, let's take multiples. Let's build a blog about how to use this item, how to style this item. And then you've got five pictures of the same t-shirt because I've showed you five different ways. Now I've got a blog on five ways to style the same t-shirt. Now I have five different Pinterest pins that I can upload into Pinterest. Um, And, you know, there's different ways I have, I can continue to talk about the shirt, but it's not the same image all the time. I can do some short videos of me styling again, behind the scenes, how I pick items to style with that shirt. We can do um, photos of stacks of the shirts folded on the shelf. People love that. We can do photos of packing the shirts in the subscription. Um, bags. Like there's so many pieces of content for one item, one thing that you're doing in your business. And if you can just capture that, make yourself a checklist of the things that you need to grab during that one thing. And then you can use it all month long or all quarter long or however long that lives in your shop. You can continue to use that and you don't have to stop and go get another image. You don't have to stop and go take another video. You're creating all that content in a short period of time um, that will live on forever. And you're just, you're just um, really being strategic about your time that way. And then it doesn't feel so heavy. It doesn't feel like a lot because you did it all at once. And then it's just about putting it together and then getting it all over the place, all over the place. So everyone can see all of that content again, it's about what they're going to consume. There are people that are never going to watch your live. There are people that are never going to read your blog. There are people that will never be on TikTok. So if you get yourself all over the place, you're going to be seen by most people in your audience somewhere. And the the one thing that I, I say this a lot, and if you're a designer and you're listening, just cover your ears or maybe mute this for a second it's okay if it's a little bit ugly. Sometimes I have to tell my designer to like, oh no, Bradley over here is mad at me. It's too uh, pretty. <laughs> no, no. You know, it's like sometimes I tell Tyler and and I guess uh, I'm offending Bradley too when I say this is, is just it's a, make it a little bit ugly for me. You know, and it's, it doesn't, and what I mean in that is it doesn't need to be pixel picture perfect mm-hmm. because it's so, our, our content's consumed so quickly nowadays. Like let's, let's get it. And if we think this is, this is really, this is really good, then it's okay. Yeah. You know, we're like, oh man, the shadow is off just a little bit. Like move on, like put it, ship it. I'm, I'm very much a, like a ship it type attitude sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying like, it needs to be like, it's okay putting hideous stuff out there that looks like, you know, make it, make it look good, but 
it's okay. It doesn't need to be perfect is my point. Yeah. It doesn't need to be overproduced and it doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to be perfect because that makes you real. And that makes people see it as, as more real than this perfect thing. That's not real, right? Like it's not overly produced over overly photographed overly, whatever. It's just, Hey, we're real people running these businesses and this is what we do. And yeah. Yeah. And sometimes some of the like ugliest landing pages convert the best too, which is really good. I I still don't understand that, but it just actually does. (laughs) There's um, the last thing I wanted to talk about on these best practices that you guys published was focus on retaining your current subscribers. It costs less than acquiring new customers and helps increase your lifetime value. And I think that we just need to say that again for the people in the back focus on retention. We put so much of our focus on, I need more subscribers. I need new subscribers. I need, I need to fill the top of the funnel, but we're just letting them out of the bottom of the funnel too easily. Like we're not loving on them. We're not taking care of them. We're not appreciating them and we're not keeping them. And it takes very little to keep someone versus a whole lot to get someone. And so let's just, let's break that down just a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, so like I gave an earlier example in the Kong box strategy, right? That mm-hmm. small investment in box number four or five could keep somebody for maybe let's say four or five more subscription boxes, maybe even longer than that, because that investment you made in them and then realizing like, wow, this is cool. I'm getting more for my money now. And they, they recognize this relationship I've built with them, you know, nurturing those customers, just exactly what it says. It's so much yeah. less to retain a customer than to acquire a new one. And, and the root of that is investing in that relationship as a brand with the consumer. Mm-hmm. The, the customer is coming to you because they have something that they really admire and they're excited to receive. And keeping that excitement going and keeping that going is really important because again, like they're 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 there. You're you're building you're building this relationship with them. This this direct-to-consumer model that exists today is a whole new world of opportunity. That's what we talk about, like looking at the upsell opportunities, the cross-sells, how can you continue to engage with them and not doing it just for the sake of, of getting some additional revenue, doing it because you want to give them more, you want to share more with them and you want to create and build a stronger relationship with them. Yeah, it, it's, it's so important. And I think we underestimate the importance of it. Yeah. Um, you know, having that customer service focused business, um, is really underestimated. Like I know, I know we get tired of the same questions. I know we kind of get a little snarky when people ask me if can I have my tracking number one more time, but you know what? We need to give it to them. We need to help them. We need to let them know that, Hey, we're watching that tracking number two, you know, like we just need to, we need to meet people where they're at. I feel like I've said that like 10 times on this podcast episode, but it's just really true. We've been through a lot the last couple of years and all that we want to do as consumers is buy from brands that, that give a darn, right. Like that, that care. And yep. so we got to show them that we care. Yeah. And you know, the, the, the flip side of that is the um, non-voluntary churn, right. Where mm-hmm. there's some tools out there that can help, you know, if, if you're not already utilizing them, where do you see most of your, most of your members, what platform are they on again? I'm trying to remember. Most it- of my members are on Shopify. Okay. So Shopify, mm-hmm. tons of integrations and tools. Yeah. Um, you know, ProfitWell makes a really cool tool out there that'll integrate from a, a churn standpoint and help reduce that. And, and I mean, this is something early on in Gbox in the early days, we didn't really realize, uh, you know, gosh, when a credit card fails, we should be trying it again and again and again, because yeah. 
sometimes for certain customers, there's the right day to run it. There's the right mm-hmm. time to run a credit card. And, and when you're so, you know, especially when you're just getting launched with your subscription box, you don't really realize, wow, there's, this exists and this is a real thing and a real problem. So there's that there's, you know, credit card expiration dates updating. Mm-hmm. So there's an opportunity. And what we used to actually do with gentlemen's box as well, we had our customer care team and our customer care team early on was employee number one, Shane, he came in or myself and John, yes. and we we'd literally pick up the phone and make calls and say, Hey, you know, we noticed your gentleman's box subscription expired. Um, I think your, your credit card failed. Would you be interested in coming on? I'm like, Oh my gosh, thanks so much for calling me. Um, yeah, here's, I can give you my new credit card number right now. And we, we were able to keep that customer. And then we that personal talking to them. Yeah. Too. It's that personal touch, right? So same thing here. We send, we have the automations that are running, but we're going to send you a personal email because sometimes those automations yep. will go to spam, go but to we're also going to send you a personal text because we have to meet you where you're at. You may not be reading your email. I'm guilty of that a lot of times. Yeah. And so if somebody sends me a text saying, Hey, I just need you to update your card for me. Did you get a new card? Here's the link to update it. Oh, again, I'm at the grocery store. I can do it right while I'm waiting in line yep. and it's done. And it's just that one step further of yeah. that person. Hey, it's Sarah from framed. I just, I saw that there was an error processing your card. If you need to update it, here's the link. Yep. And then it's done. And we're seeing huge retention rates yeah. in the industry yeah. and very low turn because of that personal touch that we put into it. Well, you're offering convenience, you're meeting where they're at, mm-hmm. and it feels like you're, you, you care about them, right? You're, yeah. you're reaching out to them through a personal channel and, and making it easy for them. Yeah. That's like, I get the email in, I got to go and I got to remember my username and password. You know, it's yes. just like all these different layers, but if I can create an easy or like, that's why the phone calls always worked really well. Like, Hey, mm-hmm. I'm here. I can update it right now. Yeah. If you Give want. me your card like, number. Let oh, me yeah. put it in. Yes. Yeah. I'll plug it in for you. I'll make it easy. And then we start the conversation and, and they felt more connected to our company at the time. You know, yeah. so it was really cool. I love it. Well, we've talked a lot about what we've seen this year, the predictions for 2022. Um, we're doing something big and fun in 2022. And I would love to just chat about that before we get off the podcast today. But we've got Sub Summit coming up and yeah. it's a big deal. And you talked when you first started, Subta, that it started with that one event. Like it started with bringing people together. And you've been doing that every year, whether that's been virtually, you know, a little bit, but you've been bringing people together every year. And we're going to do it again. And what I love is that we get to be a part of Sub Summit in a big yes. way. And so tell everybody listening what Sub Summit is. And so Sub Summit is the largest gathering of direct to consumer subscription companies in the world. And we've put together an awesome event over the years that has amazing content and speakers. Uh, we're bringing back in 2022, our startup tracks. So those that are just getting into the business and just getting started and want to learn and grow and get better, we're, they're going to be hearing from some amazing people that have done that, that are, are doing that or in the middle of the process of doing that, that from all across the board of learning about email marketing to paid media to social media. And we have a massive expo hall where you can walk around, you can meet this, the box companies that are there, the shipping companies that are there. We're putting a marketplace in there, those that are selling goods in the space. Uh, and then we, we have our, our pitch competition, our keyboard. So it's this awesome three-day event, June 1st to 3rd, 2022 in Orlando, Florida at the Swan and Dolphin Hotel. And uh, it's, it's going to be so much fun. In addition to that, We've got the Launcher Box Lounge we're going to be putting in place there. And then we also have an exclusive uh, workshop you guys are putting together. 
Yeah, so we're going to have an exclusive member-only workshop um, the morning before we kick off Sev Summit. So we're going to get together and work through um, some great things together, get to know each other, get to meet each other. A lot of us for the very first time, um, the in-person events, yeah, there's nothing like them. There's just nothing like them getting to connect with each other and especially someone that gets it. Like you can go have lunch with your friends or talk to your spouse or but they don't get it. They honestly just don't get it. And they're going to stop inviting you to lunch. If you keep talking about your subscription box, every time you go have chips and salsa (laughs) with them. So we get it. And so we get to get together and there's amazing speakers. You get to pick what you want to listen to. You get to pick the track that you want to go to lots of vendors, lots of just entertainment and fun and just camaraderie, I think is a, is a great word for it, but we're going to be there. Our community is going to be there. And, um, I'm excited to, to just to bring them out for a sub summit. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of, we build a lot of networking time in there because that that's the most important part of it as a community, you know, and, and sharing ideas and, and sharing, you know, the trials and tribulations and the successes and the failures and all those different, you know, we, we like to encourage people share as much as you can go in with an open mind, learn from each other. And the more you can share, the more you'll get back. So we, we create a lot of opportunities uh, like that as well for everybody. That's part of the event. Like we talked about earlier, the cube awards is included in the ticket for everybody that's going to be there. It, we roll out the red carpet uh, literally. And, yes. It's so awesome. There's paparazzi <laughs> there. We interview people on the red carpet and then, uh, we have a delicious dinner together, uh, put on the award ceremony and then, uh, have an after party where everybody can hang out and enjoy. Yeah. Do you want to share the, the, the link for the yes. offer in the podcast here? Um, yeah, your link. Yes. I definitely want to yes. show your link. Okay. So tell me what that is. And then we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. So two different, I'll give you two different links here there first to learn more about Subta and what we're doing. And to be part of that awesome community, you can go to subta.com. That's S U B T A.com S U B for subscription trade association, subta.com. And then the other link for, you can find it our events on the website there. Or if you're just going to want to go right to learn about sub summit, you can go to subsummit.com. That's subsummit.com. And then for the members of your community that want to get exclusive access, check out your Facebook group, right? Because you're sharing a link for that exclusive access. Yeah. So if you're a Launcher Box member, go into the announcements in our group and we have an exclusive link, special discount pricing and for our special workshop too. So you want to get the link from the membership if you are a member of mine. Um, And then Paul, I'm going to wrap up this podcast with a question for you. So what advice would you give to anyone just starting out, just starting their subscription box business? Like what would you focus on first? The number one thing I always encourage everybody to do is plan out first, plan out your first year of boxes. Um, Because once you get running with a monthly subscription, especially comes fast and furious and there's, there's a lot going on there. Um, And then there's just so many great resources out there. Just, just don't be afraid to ask questions. Uh, I remember early on, uh, we're just so hesitant to, to reach out to people and, you know, just, 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 it felt like to us, it felt like a silly question, but when you'd connect with somebody and you talk to them, be like, no, this is like, look, I worried about this too. I wondered about this too. Don't be afraid of asking questions to, to learn more and to, to get more and, and get to know as many people as you can, because that community 
you'll find will be so supportive of you during your most challenging times and during your most triumphant times. Yeah. And it's fun to have those amazing people around you. It's awesome. Yes. Paul, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Remember, we have all the links in the show notes today. If you want to go join Subta or come join us at Sub Summit. But Paul, thank you so much. Sarah, thank you. I truly appreciate you having me on. Me on. I, re- I really love being part of this. Thank oh, you. We love, we love being a part of Subta too. Cool. Catch us back here next week for a brand new episode. Make sure you subscribe to the Launcher Box podcast. I'd love for you to take a minute to rate and review it. Let me know which episode is your favorite so far. Don't forget to join me next week right here.